right, good morning. I'm not Graham. So there we go, we got the disclaimer done. I'm not Graham, but I'm excited to be here this morning, so I need your help to start this out. I've done this once before. We've got a group here that this we could work with, but you gotta be loud as we do this. I'm gonna need everybody's participation here. We're gonna do something, we're gonna do something that will not match what you saw last week. But we're gonna make, we're gonna make some rain. I've done this once before, so we're gonna do this together, but you have to stay with me. And what I'm gonna do is when I point at this side and move across, you need to start doing what I'm showing you to do and continue to do that, and as I move across, you start doing what I told them to do. And I'm gonna get all the way across. And then I'm gonna come over here and show them something to do, something different to do. And when I do that, you keep doing what you're doing until I get to you, and then you change to what they're doing, okay? So it's very simple. What we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be doing this, and then we're gonna be doing this, and then we're gonna be doing this, and then we're gonna be doing this. That's all we're gonna do. And then we're going to go through, when we get everybody stomping their feet, I'm going to come back through and I'm going to show you what to do again. You keep stomping your feet until we come through. And then we're going to go in reverse order. But while we do that, I just want you to think about rain. Are you ready? Are you ready? We can do this. Okay, so we're going to start here. And as I come across, you do what they're doing, okay? So we're going to start here. Keep doing it. that storm pass over? It wasn't what we had last week. Okay, so I'm not as good as God at making rain. <laughs> but, but it's going to be important as we get a little bit farther into the lesson. What I'm going to talk about today is listening to God. Be still and know that I'm God. And if we back up one from there, I think, do we have one slide before that? It's what it was showing it sounds easy, but then again, it sounds so hard. Well, what am I saying there? Here's where I want to go with this. Okay, two forward. I'm sorry. I, I confused Denise there. Didn't let her know where we were. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. What we had to do to begin with there was we had to be still, right? The rain came and the rain went. Well, I want to talk for you, with you for a few moments this morning about listening to God. You know, I debated hearing God's voice, listening to God. I want to talk about listening to God because I like listening to God better because I believe that listening is an active participation rather than just hearing. I hear God's voice. No, I want to listen because when I listen, I take it in. I'm not only hearing him, I'm listening to him. So I want to start with somebody that we're familiar with. I want to start with an Old Testament character, Moses. Let's consider Moses. Okay, let's consider Moses. He probably, of all the Old Testament patriarchs, he probably 
heard God's voice more than anybody else in the Old Testament. I don't know that to be a fact, but I know he heard God's voice a lot. And so when we think about when Moses first heard God's voice, he was at a burning bush, right? And so there was a burning bush that Moses hears God call his name, and he says, here I am. He comes over to the burning bush, and he goes, I'm the God of your father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And Moses covers his face. And he listens. And God says, surely I've seen the affliction of my people. They're wearing them out in Egypt. You've got to take care of my people. I want you to go and take care of my people there. Moses disputes what God says. He says, who am I to go before Pharaoh? And God says, I will be with you. Moses says, who will I say sent me? And he says, tell him I am. Tell him I am sent you. Moses says, what if they don't believe me? He says, take that staff in your hand and throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake. At this point, I'm listening, right? I think I would be. It turns into a snake. He says, pick it up by the tail. I suspect it was a pretty poisonous snake. They all recognized him. And he picks it up by the tail. It turns back into his staff. He says, stick your hand in your pocket. And he puts his hand in his pocket. He pulls it back out, and it is leprous. He knew what leprosy looked like. And he knew all the ramifications of what that meant. He said, stick it in your pocket again. Pull it out, and it was whole. And it was good. They won't believe you. Moses said, but I'm not eloquent of speech. Now, how can somebody who's not eloquent of speech even use the word eloquent in a sense? But anyway, I'm not eloquent of speech. I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. God said, I made your tongue. I did these things. I can do this through you. And Moses says, please send somebody else. Go get your brother. God's even moved to anger here. Get your brother, and we'll go do this. And so we all know the story. They, they, they go, and, and he tells Pharaoh, you've got to let my people go. No, I'm going to start sending plagues. God tells him to do all these things, and the locusts, the flies, the locusts come, the frogs, the river is turned to blood. All of these things happen, and then we get to the culmination of when the Passover comes, and the angel of death passes over, all the children of Israel protected. Their firstborn is saved because they got the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. And all the babies died, and finally Pharaoh says, go. Go. He lets them go, and then he chases after them. And he chases after them, and they get to the Red Sea. And the Red Sea, and now they're stuck. And oh, no, we're dead. Here they come. They're going to nail us now. We're the Red Sea, and nope, I got another one. Moses is going to part the Red Sea. So he parts the Red Sea. God does amazing things, all in the sight and the full cognizance of the children of Israel who are leaving because God's been telling Moses what he needs to do. So they cross across the Red Sea, and everything is now awesome. It's great. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. They're singing this song. The Lord my God, my strength, my song, has now become my victory. They've won. We've won. We've won. Three days later, Moses was thirsty. Moses 
thirsty. They start crumbling. They're thirsty. So they go to a place called Mara, and they, there's the water, and they get to the water, and it's bitter water. Moses, come on. God changes the water. Moses throws something in, he changes the water, and what is God's response? Afterwards, he, let, he lets him drink. God says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. God gives them this degree because he changed that water and he made it good. He just put one more stamp on it and said, remember, I'm the God who did this. I'm going to give you some good water here out of nowhere. And everybody drank and everything was all good, right? And then they go on and you know what happens next? They go on a little more. We're thirsty. Moses, we're thirsty. Did you bring us out here to, to let us die of thirst? We're hungry. So what does God do? Okay, I'm going to give you some manna. I'm going to give you some bread to eat. We're tired of this manna. We want food. And so I'm going to give you meat to eat. So he gives them quail over and over and over and over. Now, I'm not bringing this up for us to sit here arrogantly and say, oh, you complainers, you whiners, Moses, disputing with God, whining about what God said, or you children of Israel. I'm not, I'm not doing it so we can cast an arrogant eye back at them and look at them. Nor am I saying, because these guys did it, Moses of all people, he did it, so it gives me an excuse. Hey, Moses did it. I can, you know, I'm in the same boat as him. I'm not doing it for that reason. I just want to ask you, can you see yourself here? Sometimes. Have you seen yourself here? Have you seen yourself here? Let's look at Elijah. Elijah was a um, prophet of God. He did a whole bunch of things. He heard God's voice a lot too. But Elijah goes to talk to Ahab, the leader of Israel at this point. And Ahab is doing some really messed up things. And Ahab is married Jezebel. And she was one. <laughs> Jezebel. He married Jezebel. And she was not into worshiping the God of Israel at all. She worshiped the Baals. God of Baal. Baal. How do you want to pronounce that? And so he goes to them and he says, God told me to tell you it's not going to rain. This is the same Elijah that you know, later on in James, it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly, and it might not rain, and it did not rain for three years and six months. This is the same Elijah. No rain. Famine starts. Elijah is number one bad guy on Ahab's list right now, and I'm going to tell you what, Jezebel's even worse against him. So he goes and hides, remember, and he goes, and he has to hide, and the ravens bring him meat, and he has some, he stays by a brook, and he has water and stuff like that for three years, and here we go. And then God says... Go talk to Ahab again, Elijah, and tell him that I'm going to bring some rain if you turn back to me. So Elijah goes. He tells him, and he talks to him, and he tells him, Ahab, all these people got to turn to God. You're worshiping these false gods, Baal, and you need to turn back to God, right? And so... He says, call all the people together. 
Get all 450 of your prophets of Baal together. And let's have the most ultimate iron chef cook-off that's ever been. Right? He says, you bring them. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a bull. Get a bull for me, get a bull for them. And they can build their fire. Build the, not their fire, just build the wood. Everything. Prepare the bull. Do everything like Baal tells him to do. Get this bull ready to be sacrificed on their altar. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take a bull. I'm going to get wood. I'm going to put it on the altar. I'll prepare my bull. And we're going to call down fire from heaven. And fire from heaven will consume it. And the one who gets consumed by the fire, that's going to be the true God. And so Elijah tells the people of Israel... This is from 1 Kings. He tells the people from Israel, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Let's do the contest. So they do. And the prophets of Baal set up their altar just the right way, and man, they go to work. And they go to wailing. And they go to crying. And they go to limping around the altar. And they continue to do this till about noon. Elijah now says, he begins to mock them. He says, cry aloud, for he is God. he's a God. Either he is musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. Where is your God? They, they get to the part where it's Elijah's turn. He prays to God. Fire comes down and consumes the entire altar where his was. God is now God. And so what does he do? He says, let's take these prophets of Baal down here. And he slaughters them. 450 prophets of Baal. He slaughters them there, right? He goes back to Ahab and he says, Ahab, y'all start doing this. And y'all start doing this. And y'all started because the rain is coming. That's what he tells that. Well, I may not have done that, but he said, the rain's coming. And get ready. Go eat your meal. The rain is coming. And the rain comes. And Ahab says, great. And then he goes and tells Jezebel. And Jezebel sends the word. After Elijah's done all of this, Jezebel sends the word. What you did to those prophets, I'm going to do to you and worse. And here we are in 1 Kings 19.3, just 27 verses after this amazing thing has taken place, fire from heaven, the whole nine yards. Elijah's up now. She says, I'm going to do this to you. And what does it say Elijah does? Then he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life. He ran for his life. And he runs and he goes to the hills and he gets up under a tree. He says, I'm done for. And he says... How long? God, just take me. Just take me. I'm done. Just kill me here. Goes to sleep. Wake up, and there's a hot meal for him. Take this. You're going to need to go. You're going to go on a journey. Eat some more. You're going to go on a journey. So what he does, he takes off. He goes on a journey, and he runs, and he runs, and runs, and runs. He runs up into the mountains, and he gets in a cave. Elijah's in a cave. 
God says, Elijah, what are you doing? Why are you here? And what happens next is Elijah says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. You see, just before this took place, back when the fire came down from heaven, Elijah had built an altar there. He took 12 stones, one representing each tribe of Israel, and he built an altar. It's kind of a pile of rocks that are there so that this sacrifice could take place, right? All of these things happened. But God, I'm here. I've been jealous for you, and now I'm the only one left. And God says, come out to the mouth of the cave. And you know the story. God caused a mighty wind to come by that crushed the mountains. But God wasn't in the wind. And he caused the earth to shake and quake and tremble. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And God sent fire. God wasn't in the fire. And then he heard what? Still small voice. And the first thing Elijah heard was, Elijah, why are you here? Why are you here? I'm not, I'm not beating up on Elijah, but that man heard God's voice. He saw what God did. He said, don't rain, it didn't rain. He said, rain, it rained, because he was speaking the words of God. All of these things happen, and Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, and he takes off for the hill, scared to death. And God says, Elijah, why are you here? All I'm asking you is, can you see yourself here sometimes? Can you see yourself here? It's the clutter, right? It's the clutter. It's the clutter that we hear. My taxes are going up. My income's not where it needs to be. The kids are going crazy at school. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. ISIS is taking over over there. Obamacare is killing me. We're having to accept all these deviant lifestyles within America, and we don't know what's going on. We're not a friend of Israel. But what is going on? What is going on? And the clutter gets louder and louder and louder for us. It can happen. I think it happened to Moses a little bit. I think it happened to Elijah, because we've got to live day by day, moment by moment here on this earth. I think God knows that. I know he knows that. I used to do a game as a youth pastor. I used to do a game with the youth every now and then. And we would set up a maze. And the maze was set up with chairs and different obstacles. And, you, and, and the goal was for one person, blindfolded completely, to get from this part of the room all the way through the maze, all the way through the maze, and make it. And I told everybody in the group but one, Apart from the, the person that was blindfolded, I told everybody in the group, you guys, holler out directions, tell them to turn the wrong way, tell them to turn around, tell them, oh, look out, you're about to fall into stuff. You just holler out everything you can. The louder, the better. And you just do all that kind of stuff for the person that's blindfolded. I told one person, you can be kind of near them, don't get right beside them, but just somewhere along the way, I just want you to tell them which direction to go. Invariably, the person would make it through the maze, and as we debriefed off that, I would say, what got you through the maze? And he said, they would say, I heard so-and-so's voice. Because they were telling me the right way. They were telling me the truth. All that clutter is screaming at us. 
but they heard a voice. And they followed that voice because they found the voice of truth. We're in a world of clutter. We're in a world of things that are happening. And so, what do we need to do? And this is where we pick up in your bulletin. You just need to be still. It's come from Psalms. And David's here in Psalms, and David is saying many things. Powerful, powerful psalm here for us. He's saying God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in times of trouble. As you move through it, it says, We will not fear when the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved, the heart of the sea, though its waters roar with foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then it gets to verse 10. David is saying all these things because God is our refuge and our strength. He gets to verse 10, and all it says is, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted on the earth. So what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do as we move forward here? We take a look at what Jesus did. Jesus has just fed 5,000. Lots of stuff going on with that. He sends the disciples across the, across the, the lake there. Y'all move on. And then what he does in Matthew 14, 23, he says, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus became still. Right? He became still. He went up on the mountain to become still. So what can we do as we become still before the Lord? Some people call it a QT. We're going to have our quiet time. And what I'm proposing to you is, in the midst of the clutter, in the midst of all of it, you need to get still before the Lord. You have a quiet time. You need to be intentional about your quiet time. I have to do my quiet time in the morning. And so whatever time I like to get up, and if you're a morning person, it's your deal. You figure out when you're going to do it. But I will get up and carve the time out before anything else starts because I need to be still before the Lord. I cannot help but be still before the Lord. I have to have time with Him. You have a quiet time. Your intentional is quiet time. So you have a quiet time. You pray. And this is what Jesus did. He went up in the mountains by Himself, He was alone. He sat down to pray. And this is a time with God where I believe Jesus was real before him. And looking at just a laundry list, God, I know you know what's going on because I'm, you also I know what, we know what's going on here on this earth, but, you know, it was really hard today. And would you make the sand not quite so hot when I walk across it on my bare feet? Would you do all these things? He didn't bring his list. He came before God and he said, God, you're God. And I believe in his prayer he spoke scripture. He spoke scripture before the Lord as well. 
so you can read your Bible here in this time as well. So we want to have a quiet time. We've got to pray. And we're going to know that the Bible is there because the Bible is the Word of God. And we want to listen. We want to listen to the Word of God. Know that I am God. Be still. Know that I'm God. That's what he's telling us. Who was the second person on earth? Who was the second person on earth to hear God's first voice? The second person on earth to hear God's voice. It was Eve. Thank you. It was Eve, wasn't it? I think Adam heard God's voice. They walked together in the garden. I think Eve heard God's voice. He, she knew his voice. She knew his voice well. She understood it. And they are kicking it in the garden. And all is well. And along comes his servant. He says, hey, did you check out that tree? He says, can't do it. Not supposed to eat from that one. And the servant says, Satan, what did God actually say? said, I can't eat from it. Don't touch it. Don't eat it or we will die. And the servant says, surely you won't die. You won't die. Come on. He just doesn't want you to eat it because he knows your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. And you'll know good from evil. Eve knew God's voice. She had it right there in her ear. She had it right there. And yet, she committed her first sin, right? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that the tree was a delight to the eyes, a delight to the eyes. Isn't that part of the clutter? What looks good? What's good for me right now? We hear it in commercials all the time. You take care of you. You deserve this. It was good to the eyes. And the tree was desired to make one wise. So she committed the first sin. She took the fruit. The second sin, she ate it, right? She took. She took it. She ate it. She also gave some to her husband, and he ate it also, and we all know what happened from then on. Can you see yourself here? Sometimes. Looking back in retrospect, Christian, can you see yourself here? You know the voice of God. So we find ourselves here. So what are we going to do to listen to the voice of God? Right? We're going to do quiet. We're going to have our quiet time. We've got to pray. We've got to know his word. But we need to know that he is God. Be still, but know that he is God. First suggestion I have is you make an altar. It's a pile of rocks. Isn't that what Elijah did? God was upset. So what did he do? He rebuilt an altar. He took 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Made a rock. They did this oftentimes to mark an event where God did something. Jacob's well built some stones there. They made a pile of rocks. 
you anchor into some of those pile of rocks that have happened in your life. I've had some piles of rocks that I've placed on mountaintop experiences where God has moved in unbelievable ways. How in the world did I survive that car wreck? Or did my wife and daughter survive that car wreck? Or how in the world, but for the grace of God, did we come up with enough money when it was not there? And here, and God, so there's some, there's some of those nice, gifted piles of rocks that I have where I say, God was there. And I've also got a few pile of rocks in some pretty low valleys. But in that lowest of the low, you set your anchors in those piles of rocks and you remember. I talked about the Passover. And the Passover, remember, was when the angel came, he passed over the children of Israel, didn't kill them. The Passover celebration still celebrated to this day by the children of Israel that says we remember. Remember. So set yourself, build some altars, build some piles of rocks. Remember those times in your quiet time as you pray with the Lord. And there are times when I go back and it is just a prayer time of thank you, God. I thank you. I remember when you did this. And I know how big you were then. And I know how big you are now. And so there's my pile of rocks. Okay? So build a pile of rocks. Build an altar. Know that God's word is God's voice. Right? Know that God's word is God's voice. What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. What did he quote from Matthew 4 4? Man shall not live by bread alone, but with every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? Jesus also said in John 10 27. My sheep know my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. That's John 10, 27. Know God's voice. You see, my sheep, this was something they could resonate with there because there's a, a little bit different style here from what we've done where my sheep, the sheep that were herded in the old days there, it's much different than what you think of the Western cattle drives here. In the cattle drive, what do they do? They round up the horses and they drive them across the way. And you force them to go where you want them to go. Right? Over there, the philosophy in that day was the shepherd would get up, say a few words, and start walking. And guess what the sheep were trained to do? They follow. They followed him. So we follow the voice of Jesus. We follow God's word. Follow God's word. And then I would say you may not see it. Right? You may not see it. You may not see it. Moses got really close to God. They were very good together, right? So in Exodus 33, we see Moses. He's up on the top of the mountain. He says, God, I want to see your glory. Remember what Moses did the first time God talked to him? He hid his face and he said, Not me, God. Find somebody else, not me. At this point, Moses is saying, I want to see your face. And God puts him in the cleft of the rock, puts his hand over him, and he passes by him. He says, Moses, I'm not going to let you see my face. You can't do that and live. But I want you to see. And he opened and moved his hand, and he could see him moving. And I agree with the author of Love Does. This was an illustration he used. I think God did that because sometimes the Peters of us that are out there 
if we thought God was going a certain direction, we'd try and run ahead of him and get there before God did. I think he wants us to follow him. So we have an illustration here of God saying, follow me. 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I acted as a child. I did childish things. When I became a man, I started doing the man things. I did the right thing. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12, it says what? But now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I don't think we're always going to see it. But that's okay. That's why we're going to listen to God's voice and follow from there. Patty and I spend a lot of time praying together. We pray, God, prepare us for every moment of this day. We both live in a situation where we deal with people all day long. It's a people-oriented deal. And my prayer daily is, God... Bring your voice to this next conversation. Bring your attitudes to this next directive I'm going to receive. Bring your presence so your fingerprints are all over this next conversation. God, prepare me for each individual moment of this day. Here's a a personal example. This is the one place I want you to turn in your Bible. I want you to turn to Philippians 2, please. Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Here's a, here's a personal example. This is a quiet time. And really, 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 camp out here this week in your quiet time. Camp out here because there's some awesome stuff. And it's not here alone. There's tons of places you can do this. But this is a place you can camp out. Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Now this isn't a sermon on don't grumble or dispute, but you know what? Moses might have gone a little better if you didn't grumble and dispute. Children of Israel, might have gone a little better if you didn't grumble and dispute. Elijah, are you serious? You're going to run from Jezebel? So I'm going to grumble and dispute? It can happen. And so what is God's Word telling us as we listen to God's Word? Do all things, all things without grumbling and dispute, that you may be blameless. Here's why that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. You know what? That wasn't written about you. It's so the world can see that's one of God's children. Right? You're supposed to do it. Don't grumble and dispute. That you may be innocent children of God without blemish. Why? So that the world can see That's one of his children. Because it turns the attention to him and not to you. Uh, Your life goes better if you do what God tells you to do, but it's all about him. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, ISIS, world, all that stuff, among whom you shine as lights in the world, whose light? God's light into a world. Holding fast to what? The word of life. There's a quiet time that you can chew on all week long. It's not about the destination. 
It's about the journey. This is what Graham was talking about at the end of the sermon last week. Who am I in this world? Day by day, moment by moment, am I God's representative? Because it's not about me. We've got to honor God with our lives. Let me pray.